Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So, welcome to another episode of Rogue Capitalist, where we keep the topics discussed here real and raw. So, please remember to hit that like and subscribe button down below and leave your comments uh, for any other topics that you'd like to hear us discuss. So, for today, the topic is about remote work. So, we have seen that uh, during, re uh, during COVID, remote work actually blossomed. But when the economy opens up, remote work is getting less available. The option for flexible arrangement are also getting uh, lesser. But whether or not people prefer to head to office every day or working from home, that I don't know. But personally, myself, I don't like the time wasted traveling. So of course, I prefer working from home. CBD areas are going to get more crowded as the business crowds come back. But uh, for yourself, uh, Johan, what do you think are some repercussions of um, the, the, the economy uh, opening up and also um, remote work? So you guys probably wondering because there hasn't been uh, that many regular updates to the Rogue Capitalist channel. And you guys might have seen that there are some videos really being taken down. Because currently we are going through a restructuring. We are thinking how this future of this channel is going to be. Because as for Arnold and I, we have been quite busy with a lot of our business stuff. So we are planning a lot of big things for this year. Probably be sharing more when time permits. So the Rogue Capitalist will be going to a new phase, hopefully with a nice big studio because I'm currently thinking of going big with this. Because as we all know, my cafe is about to close. And actually, right, one of the reasons why my cafe close, is closing right, is something which I learned during COVID-19. And the big reason why we are talking about remote work today. Because there's one thing you don't understand about remote work. It is that in the past, economies were tight to where people work. They travel to a certain geographical location for work, let's say in the factory, in the airfield, in the mines and all that. And certain economies are built from there. That means there's going to be transport systems which link people from their homes all the way to the office. And then there are food and beverage places which are set up to ensure that people get their food. And then you have staff canteens where businesses or entrepreneurs in the past when they saw, oh, there are a lot of workers here and the nearest place they can get food is probably an hour away. And some entrepreneurs decided, you know what, why not I close the gap in between the nearest food and there. I create a cafe, create a restaurant, whatever you call it, and provide nourishments for all the workers there. And so that's the basis of how economies were formed, which is basic supply and demand. When you think about it, businesses in the past, they didn't really think so much about making money that much. It was so and so forth about building a community. And that was one of the big reasons why food businesses, ultimately when you think about it, it's always about community. When you see some of the bigger restaurants in Singapore, such as uh, Jumbo Seafood, you look at certain uh, big name Chinese restaurants, be it in the West as well. Let, let's say you go to a ranch, you know, they have a steakhouse there. You go to certain places that's very nice. Especially when you go to like Boston, then you see you have Boston Lobster, you have certain places which have like 200, 300 years history. And then the person will say, oh, my family has been here for 20, 30, some even say 100 plus years. My grandfather brought me here. My father brought me here. And so a lot of things which tie in towards the entire community now is lost. Part and parcel because of technology. And so for remote work wise, I wouldn't say that I dislike it or not. I believe that a lot of things happen by design. When I say that things happen by design, it means that if things are, sup are supposed to happen a certain way, you can bet your behind that it is meant to happen that way. And so as you see as society progress, you notice as how economies were formed, 
you start to notice that the entire landscape of the food industry also evolved as well. Last time, people used to sit in together with their friends, their colleagues, their relatives, and have meals. It was not really seen as a place where you enjoy good food. It was mainly seen as a place where communities could get together and have nourishment. Because back then, most of us didn't think that advanced, such as having nice food. Having nice food became sort of a add-on to a world where luxuries became more commonplace. Back then, no one really cared about luxuries. They were happy about just holding their craft, spending 14, 15 hours a day working in the hot sun. Maybe they spend around two to three hours with their families. And then they probably spend the rest of their, of their life sleeping. Last time, there wasn't that much technology. There, were, there weren't light bulbs. There weren't light. And so when people see the when the when the nightfall comes, which is around 7 to 8 p.m., depending on which part of the world you're in, this is like caveman era. Or like the old school era before the industrial revolution and all that stuff. Before the before the you know what? Maybe during the era when they were lamps, you know, they were using candlelit stuff. And so when they see when it was about to reach nighttime, 8 p.m.-ish, they'll all be at home. They'll be spending time with their family. And the moment when the candle blows out, they'll all fall asleep. That's how things were in the past. But then now, due to the advent of technology with, uh, is it Thomas Edison, the guy who created a light bulb? Also, the yeah. official history, they say that he's the one that created a light bulb. As we all know, history is fake. It's just the same tale being regurgitated every single time. Because as we all know, the world goes through resets and you can't really understand what is real anymore. In fact, there are, there are certain archaeological findings of civilizations which are far more advanced than us. So that's why let's not go down a rabbit hole in this episode. And so the light bulbs came about and humans found a way to prolong their sleeping cycle. Spend more time awake. And so that meant that humans were spending less time sleeping and they would be spending more time doing leisurely activity. Because back then when there was no light, maybe they'd take a matchstick, you know, turn it on, they got fire, but you know, it's futile. You know, humans don't really like to invent that much. As much as people say that we are innovators, I for the past three years, ever since COVID-19, I don't really believe that humans are that innovative at all because we just take orders from elsewhere. And because of this, with the advent of technology, we start to become more... We start to seek pleasures because we got a baseline achieved, right? Shelter, food and water. Our forefathers always wanted better things for us. And that meant that they were spending more time at work to ensure that the next generation would have more time for relaxation. That's a quote that I read. It was, let strife come in my time so that my children can study the arts and music. You get what I mean? It's, it's basically the, what the forefathers saying that let the tough time come, let the war happen, let all the engineering, all the stuff happen in my time so that my children can spend their time in peace playing music and drawing. But look at how that turned out. I honestly think that a lot of good intentions that society set out often turn out to hell. Like Frederick L. Hayek always say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And together with remote work, when people start to work from home, I believe this is uh, by design because of uh, COVID-19. I don't believe that humans can think of things on the fly, which is to come up with instantaneous reactions, all that stuff. Unless you are an MMA fighter, or you're a kickboxer, a guy throw a punch at you, obviously you can duck, you know, you can duck and hit it back. Other than that, you're talking about a guy who spent 
10, 12 hours a day honing their craft, being able to react on time. What a basic human, what do they do? Unless they're in the military where they're forced to react in 60 seconds, maybe not even 60 seconds, they're forced to react in less than a minute, 30 seconds. Remember there's a terrorist, they have to instantly go in and go for the some response. Most humans are passive. They just nowadays, TikTok, they just sit around and scroll TikTok. That's about it. They just endless dopamine here and there, here and there, here and there. And then Instagram, before that was Instagram. They just go there and like, like, like. That's about it. And then you go to work, they attend meetings and nothing get pushed. It's always just a bunch of people, minor management, talking about here and there. Not saying that working is bad here and all that stuff. I do believe that there are people who are really, really working very hard. There's the there's one rule, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, which is 20% of people do 80% of the work. More 80% of people do 20% of the work. And so that's why you have to understand which, which part of the curve you want to be at. And so you can play your cards properly. And so this remote work thing, it really got me thinking when I see people working from home and it's so quick because humans like to take the path of least resistance. When they take the path of least resistance, instantly when they find a certain better way to do something without that much hurt. Because as you all know, spending time in the office is incredibly bureaucratic, tiring, traveling to and fro is a pain. But I think that that is what makes working working. It is about it's so different, right? It's like they are trying to make people embrace the status quo while the times have changed. Back then, employees or employers used to provide pensions. You know, you work 40, 50 years of your life, you dedicate your life to the company, and when you retire, they take care of you for life. But now, they don't even take care of you. What do they do? Tech layoffs. You guys just saw the most recent thing, right? It's something which we have predicted since uh, last year, November, December. We said there are going to be tons of layoffs coming. The tech layoffs come. Let me give you guys an example. Today is uh, Friday as we are recording this. Friday night. I just came back from dinner. Normally, Friday night is the time of the, of the week where the wages are out, you know? They end work early, 5 o'clock. And then they go around and have nice dinners. But today, the streets were empty. And not only just that, yesterday, I was at, I would say, one of the hipster areas of Singapore, you know, Boogies. Something similar to uh, Harajuku in Tokyo, Japan. Similar to Hongdae in uh, Seoul, South Korea. They are pronounced called Seoul, Seoul, Seoul. Seoul, South Korea, why we call it Seoul is the same pronunciation. So the streets were incredibly empty and the restaurants were closed. And then there was a very interesting video by the rebel capitalist, George Gammon. He said that people making $100,000 a year are broke. It's like they went from $100,000 a year to not having a job and they're broke. Puzzling, right? I know some people who are making, they're not even in tech. You know, they're like social science graduates. They're making $30,000, $40,000 a year. And they're doing just fine. It seems as though it's like a lifestyle inflation thing where money is tied towards your life and you sort of lose meaning. Because back then, companies where you work, usually you work for life. You're not the kind of person that switches company here and there. It's like you work one company, you're doing it all the way until the end of your lifespan. 
or you become like the vice president, you become the president, or you become senior management. You guys are all in it together because you have a vested interest. But now this vested interest thing is gone because corporations no longer value people anymore. And I believe that this is a very big problem because of a certain certain kind of a psyche that has overtaken a lot of first world countries, which is something which a former economics PhD or like a professor told me about three weeks ago uh, during the start of Chinese New Year, which I'll most likely get into probably in the next next six episodes. Because next episode I've planned with a real estate agent, a friend of mine, he'll be sharing why real estate prices in Singapore is so incredibly crazy. So you guys do have to check it out for it. And so let's get back to the remote work part. And so with people starting to get lesser valued by their companies, it means that the only thing that ties them to their job is how well they're paid. It's no longer seen as an achievement kind of thing where the previous generations, they will work for life. Because my father, he was a, he's, he is what was, he is a chef. He's more of like a consultant now. He worked for Singapore Airlines for nearly 30 years of his life. Before all, all his life. Before that, he was in Raffles Hotel. He went to different hotels because like chefs are usually do by contract basis and they like to go to different countries. So my dad was with Singapore Airlines his entire life. I think it's the same as your dad, right? He's with the same organization for his entire life. Mm. It's the sort of thing where it's like everyone has a vested interest. You guys get stock options and you guys just all the way all in until you retire. And so these organizations really take care of their previous generation staffs really well. But fast forward to today, corporations don't take care because of the current psyche, which I'll get into in the future episode. Now people are expendable. They no longer want to train talent anymore. They want a talent, let's just hire from elsewhere. There's someone always better out there. And this is seen with technology today, such as dating apps. There's always someone better out there. And that means that people don't settle. This is a big problem where you see with the Gen Z youths nowadays. They just swipe, swipe, swipe. TikTok, oh, this TikTok is boring. I'll just swipe it up. Maybe there's something interesting that comes out. So this generation of hyper-consumerism ties in together with the fabric of society where remote work becomes the be-all and all. What I mean by the be-all and all is that remote work is basically not even going to the office, but receiving a paycheck based on your skill set without forming bonds. Because I'm pretty sure that some people have really learned from the lessons, right? They they do not want to form bonds with others. Because what's the worst? What's the best that can ever happen? They get a nice bonus. Their boss say you do a good job. The worst of all, they get fired. So remote work is in a sense, they can just turn on their Zoom and attend meetings without showing their faces. They collect their paycheck. And if they want to quit, they can just quit, go to cold turkey, not even serve their one month notice and disappear. No one knows who they are. So there's a kind of thing where it's removing away the thin layers of every single society. Because working economy is a form in which kinship and friendships are formed. There are certain industries where no matter how much you try to implement remote work, it never happens. I'll give you an example of mine. I used to be from the defense industry. There is no way you can bring home work from the defense industry. There is no way because of certain security clearances and all that. So that meant that during COVID-19, when most of my peers in the tech sector, they were having remote work, they were spending all their times at home, watching Netflix, watching YouTube, uh, buying crab food and food panda, causing massive amounts of deaths on the streets because most of these morally depleted food delivery riders, they don't care. They are the same as those remote workers who just want to earn a paycheck. I kill someone, hey, you're just in the way. Why are you in the way? 
as you all as we all know, Singapore is not set up to be a cyclist-friendly country. That means that there's going to be elderly, there's going to be children who are walking on the pavement, and the delivery rider will just zoom past, boom, bang, oh, what, 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 and disappear. He just go, goes off into the sunset, goes, gotta fulfill my order, bro. This is the kind of mindset that pervades the youth of today. Nowadays, youths don't chase what they are passionate about. They just do what pays them well. With the rise of stock uh, apps such as Tiger Trades, is it called Tiger Trades or is it Tiger Brokers? Tiger something, you get what I mean? Yeah. Tiger, Tiger Brokers. Tiger Brokers, yeah. Tiger Brokers. And then we have yeah, Robin, Momo. Momo, uh, Weibo, right? Weibo. Yeah, I still got Weibo. Yeah, yeah Weibo. And then we have Robinhood in uh, US. And then we have KuCoin, uh, we have Binance, we have what's that thing called uh, Coinbase. All these platforms. Are, like, man, uh. <laughs> no, I'm not doing advertising. We are, we are doing, they're they are creating platforms uh, where youths uh, don't have to work hard. All they got to do is be smart. Like, I do say it's good to be work smart instead of working hard. But they are taking it to the whole new level. They're not doing it out of passion. Like who, who tells me that they enjoy making money by playing on their phone? Back then, in our time or our parents' time, they have to make money one way, which was meeting people in real life, forming a bond that person look at you and say, you know what, I can trust you to do work. And then they give you contracts and they realize, you know what, you're pretty good. Why not? You, why don't you set up a business? I do some deals with you. You'll be my middleman and get it going. Now you removed all the human layer aspect. Now it just ends to a mean, or means to an end. So, all they got to do is just whip out the trading app and make some money. In fact, there are some millionaires or multi-millionaire youths who have zero EQ. The moment they go to the streets or they try to do business, they get fleeced. They lose like nearly 90% of their net worth. They spend money like tap. That's why you see like companies such as Porsche, Ferrari, making tons of money from these kids who have no financial knowledge at all. Not to say that they are doing anything bad. It's just that the thing about wealth is that it's only fun right, if you built it through. There's one thing about entrepreneurship which I want to talk about, which is uh, solving a market need. That means you are changing the way things function, not the way in which all these startup middleman slash techie try to say, you know, oh, wow, we're disrupting the economy, you know, Web3, Web3, I'm going to decentralize the world. Not, not that kind of crap. I'm talking about people who are able to revolutionize business models. The greatest one is Uber by Travis Kalanick. I don't even think Bill Gates and Microsoft did anything great. But the one that really revolutionized things to me is Uber. Nobody in the time would ever think of using a phone to call a car, to call, call a taxi driver. No one would have thought about it. Only Travis thought about it. Hey, look at him. He's like a entrepreneur that cannot be touched. He went to Uber. Guess what? He got kicked out because he cannot be controlled. And that's the kind of entrepreneur that most people should aspire to be. Because as we all know, entrepreneur types are very hard to be friends with. And Travis Kalanick is probably the quintessential entrepreneur type that everyone, you should you guys should go and research about him. Everyone else who's still an entrepreneur type who appears on TV and talk, those are not entrepreneurs. Those are corporate yes-men. It's completely different. When you hire a CEO versus the founder CEO. Founder CEO is very different from corporate CEO inserted into XYZ company and runs the show. And that's why the remote work thing just goes to show that it is one of the earlier seismic 
collapses towards society where we remove away the community part. Because last time working is about forming friendships, right? Let's say you work for a company, be it uh, you're in the finance industry, for example. You are a credit analyst, you are a bond analyst. And then you attend like some finance firm. And then you meet, hey, my ex-colleague. And then you guys chop it up, talk about it, introduce to each other. Hey, this is my friend. This is your friend. Yeah, and then you all form bonds. So it's very easy for you to have meetings in the future. Or perhaps you go over to your friend's company or your friend go over to your company. That is where real relationships are formed. But then nowadays, with remote work, it's just sort of, I have XYZ skill. And then you go, oh, this guy pay me more. I just do the job for you. It's no longer about... That's why referrals are very important. You get what I mean? Because you actually have to meet people and then they can vouch. You know what? This guy is pretty damn good. I know him. I know him for 10, 20 years. He never backstabbed me. This is how he does his work. And so that's actually what I think about remote work. It is probably the first layer of catastrophic destruction towards the great reset that society is moving towards. Okay. So um, so with remote work, people are actually um, working from home and they don't go out. So I also noticed that the CBD become empty, so there's no crowd over there. So then what actually makes uh, CBD different from your neighborhood, right? So with remote work, but without, CBD actually differentiates themselves uh, from your home area. So that's where CBD becomes more attractive and then people will begin congregating around town areas and then begin populating the economy over there. So um, do you have any take around, uh, say, the, the, the real estate space regarding um, the, the change from remote work to, to, to more real work? Okay, so this is uh, something which uh, the one of the inspirations for today's episode as well is uh, by this guy called Jared Salente. He is a political analyst. He used to be in the White House for almost 50, 60 years. But 20 years ago, he stopped going to the White House because the current politicians, they don't really like the way that he speaks. Because let's just say that he's very old school, very... New York style, you know, the old school New York. Like, he tells it as it is. He doesn't sugarcoat his words. He tells them how to do policy properly. So he was saying that the real estate debacle in you know, in the US, basically those first world cities like New York, for example, they're going to be facing a big problem because 50% of their officer's occupancy is empty. And this is partially based on the remote work crisis or the remote work extravaganza that just began from COVID-19. That meant that a lot of people are not returning to the office. Because as you all know, New York rental is crazy. I've been there around 15 years ago, around around that time. I was staying in New York. Uh, I was, of course, staying in the hotel because I went with my dad. But I do know that people who live in New York, man, especially if you're doing business within the city, you want to stay in a nice penthouse. Somehow, New York reminds you of Singapore now. Or more like Singapore reminds you of New York. The prices now is incredibly crazy. I'm talking about a nice penthouse with a gorgeous view. Back then, which is like 15 years ago, okay, it did cost you $20 million. In the middle of the city, no doubt. So that means that if you are not working uh, maybe $500,000 per annum, $500,000 is considered average uh, in New York if you are if you're going to work there. If you're not earning $500,000 a year, you most likely have to live in the outskirts. You live in the Bronx or you have to stay in a... Uh, nearby New Jersey right yeah they say New Jersey there's absolutely no way that you're gonna live within a city and as you look in New York there's like Google there's Facebook all the big tech companies are there of course you're able to afford rent right for example uh entry level software engineer in New York is probably around 
I think they pay pretty well. 300,000. I believe so. That, that includes your vested stock. And then if you're working in finance, they say you're working for a hedge fund. Because as you all know, Wall Street is there. The big finance boys are there. Their paychecks are very, very high. That means that they can easily afford all the nice penthouse and condos there. And so imagine this. You want to avoid the New York rental. So what do you do? You work in New York. You can pay whatever tax you have. And then you stay in some state where cost of living is low. Let's say you live in Mexico, for example. Your rental there is what? Based on Nambio. Well, one room apartment or three room apartment is a thousand bucks. So let's say you're drawing salary, $500,000 a year. 30% tax. Probably you get around... My math is not very doing very well now. Minus 150,000, 350,000, right? So you have $1,000 rental for 12 months. Dude, you have like $330,000 left spare. Let's just say that you are top level uh, principal engineer or something at Facebook, which is Facebook is not hiring at now. So that means that you are able to stay somewhere without living in the freaking one room shoebox apartment in New York City. You're living in the villa in Mexico. You can work wherever you want. You can go to the beach and turn it on. Maybe you indulge yourself a bit more. You stay in a nicer place. And so, right, this begs one question. Remote workers are paid very well because a lot of companies, right, if you remove away the rental part, who suffers? The people building real estate, right? So there's definitely a way that... And one thing you have to notice about real estate is that the big players are the ones that own the real estate. You think they don't have a plan to make you bring your ass over back to the office? That's a big reason why you see Singapore, they're telling people to go back to the office. A lot of big NMCs are saying that we are doing hybrid. You know, I want you three days in the office, two days at home. These guys are not just corporations. These guys together with the real estate companies, they are like this. They are on handshake. And I believe that no matter how much they say that remote work, they want you to work at home, you know, you can probably stay in Bali. Then you, you get that time zone, make one hour difference. Is there one hour difference in Bali? I don't think so, right? I think it's about one hour. Yeah, one hour difference. Not, not, not that big. These companies are not that stupid in the brain. They know what they're doing. They have high-level MBAs. Okay, may not be that relevant to whatever policies they have. Their CEO is the perfect corporate guy. He knows how to make you work. So if you think that these guys don't have a plan to make you get your ass back into the office, you're absolutely wrong. Because these guys will definitely want you back in the office. Because someone's paying the rent which is the corporations paying the rent. They, they can do like some tax mumbo-jumbo because as we all know, there's a saying, uh, uh, how much tax you pay is based on how much you pay your accountant. So if you get if you can read between the lines, you probably understand that. So that means that remote work, yes, it does exist. And this brings me to another question, which is an article, or not really an article, it's an observation I noticed. It's like you go on YouTube, you see a lot of people talking about, uh, what's that thing called? People are talking about the luxuries of living their remote work lifestyle. You know, you get to see uh, on YouTube, for example, oh, remote work in Georgia, remote work in Armenia, remote work in Dubai, you see their lifestyle. And then you see the lifestyle of a local worker. It really got me thinking. These remote workers are drawing very high salary. Probably like maybe... Okay, maybe not that high. Maybe some are being paid like 50000 a year, which is really decent considering that you're living somewhere where you most likely own the real estate or you're hopping around different countries like, like Thailand, Vietnam, etc. 
And so these guys are hopping in between countries. And then you look at the locals, the way they're living, and looking at where the digital nomads or these roaming, real digital nomads, right? They're, that's what they're called. What these remote workers are living in. And then you see the kind of houses they have compared against the local sort of houses they have. It's, the like, it's like night and day. You don't really know what exactly is happening. Because, right, on the image that they paint, it looks perfect. Their remote work lifestyle, their remote work lifestyle, you go there and see, wow, what their house is so nice, their apartment, their sea beach, seafront property. And then when they take the van back or when they go nightlife, you go into their local hut, you see like the houses are very old school on that. So this remote work lifestyle, right, ties into one very important thing. It's real estate, right? Real estate is where people live, is where communities are formed. And why I say that remote work kills off communities very quickly is because when you work remotely, let's say you switch countries every month or switch countries every year, you do not see around to form a bond with people who live in that specific country or that specific town or country that you live in. What you do is you just find the place where you want to go because you saw nice things on Instagram and you decide to go to the country and live there. And when this mindset pervades in the society, you see yourself moving to those countries. When you stay there for a few months, a few years, or maybe one year, you don't really meet people from that local community. Instead, who do you meet? You meet people who are like-minded like you, who are digital nomads. So you guys end up becoming a bunch of vagabonds. Or I would say, I call them vagabonds. Yeah, vagabonds who just go around different countries scavenging the local resources with your money, causing the big problem in which is inflation. Because as you all know, remote work is a byproduct of central bank policy, which is an insane monetary policy by central banks and BIS and all that. Not saying that central banks are bad, is that I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. The cantilon in fact means that if you're close to the money supply, you definitely profit a lot. That's why I know a lot of people who become like political insiders or they choose to become part of the the ruling class so that they are able to profit from it. Because it's amazing. Let's say you are near to the money supply. You start a business. Of course, you know when the money printing is going to start. That means you are able to get money in by certain policies like loans, bank loans, the PPP, right? You heard about it? The pandemic protection, something. So that means you can just say your company is going to suffer from COVID and you can free money. Get what I mean? It's the sort of thing where if you are close to the spear, you easily get money which is feeding the problem in itself. Because I believe that the free market economy will save everything. Free market capitalism is the reason why things will get back to normal. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that. Because if free market capitalism capitalism exists, right, there'll be no need for remote work. An entrepreneur will be doing his best to educate his community, his town, his city, his country, the skill sets that the youths need in order to prosper and build their country or the society from scratch. But now because we live in a centralized economy, centralized planning from top-down approach, it means that the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial mind is no longer needed. The entrepreneur becomes a slave of the state. He's no different from the bureaucrat. He's no different from the corporate guy. He's no different from the PhD. He's no different from the road sweeper or anyone. The entrepreneur is an employee of the state he is forced to create businesses or he has to create businesses so according to what the centrally planned agenda wants. He is no longer free to do what he wants. 
you look across, you see a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing Web3 companies. You really think they want to do Web3 companies? You, you, when you talk to them, you start to realize, they'll tell you, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a businessman. But this is what the market wants. You always hear the thing, the market wants this. So they're doing this. It's no longer about doing something you want to do, being highly proficient in the craft, and then people paying you based on it. Now it's just an era in which people are doing things because they're paid well. You rarely see people doing things because they're passionate about it and all that. Passion is dead. Until central banks get abolished, until big government becomes smaller, then we're going to live in this ever-perpetuating nightmare that's going to haunt us for the rest of our lives. Because nothing makes a community stronger than free market capitalism. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurs setting the bedrock for the country, for the community, and ensuring that the youth prosper from it. So that's why I believe that one of the big roadblocks towards a better society or into which uh, free market capitalism is remote work because that means that you're outsourcing work to someone with high skill set somewhere across the world and you're not even going to see him which is a big problem uh, if you think about it okay so then i think that begs my next question so what happened to those brick and mortar businesses that uh, relied on office traffic so for instance uh, food businesses um, that re- really relies a lot on people coming back to office uh, where they are stationed in the CBD areas. This one, right? There's a big reason why I'm not doing my food business. It's because the area in which I'm at, which is in the school, is a Singapore University of Technology and Design. I'm not trying to say I'm throwing shit at them, but I wrote this in my book, Road Capitalist. It is a book in which I highlight ways in which you can navigate a new normal and build wealth, safeguard your liberties. It's a big reason why I created this channel and why I got Arnold on here to talk about stuff in which gravely concerns you because it's, you don't know the big reason why I've decided to close my brick and mortar business because times have changed. Like I say, it's a centrally planned agenda, right? And let's say that if you are based on the Cantillon effect, if you're close to the money supply, you have to do what the controllers on the money supply does. You have to take orders from them and you can't say no. So what I mean by that is that during COVID-19, the school went full on work from home. Students study from dorm or stay at home. So what does that mean? I have a brick and mortar business and my business revolves around people coming to my place to eat. And the big problem, yes, you say you introduce delivery, right? If you integrate with GrabFood in your country, maybe Lyft or DoorDash. Is it called DoorDash? Yeah, probably DoorDash or something like that. There are many food panda grab panda grab you get what i mean food delivery platforms yeah right food delivery platforms but my community is based from people in the school so i if i offer grab these guys who live or work from home right these guys have never heard about me why would they order food from me even though they are close to me and by the way i'm in the school what makes you think that they want to buy food from the school because most people's mindset is that food from school is terrible so if I offer them food from a school, they can order from it. They're probably going to think, it's trying to rip me off. The food's probably bad. I do not know this guy because I spend most of my entire life in the office. The only time I'm at home is on the weekends. And at nighttime, I probably go out drinking or cheat on my wife at the pub. And so that means that he probably doesn't know where my business is. And so when he sees my business available on the food delivery platform, he will not buy from me because my community 
is based on people that reside in the school. And when these guys are no longer in the school, when these guys, these professors, this staff, they're no longer able to dine in because there was a time in which they banned dining, right? There's no able, there's no chance for you to dine in. There's no chance for you to take away food. No, they, you can take away food, but honestly, if there's food delivery platforms, you obviously use it, right? You don't want to leave your house because you're scared of dying from the virus. But as you all know, the virus is really ended. In probably Monday, all the mask things are lifted again. And by the way, I don't even wear a mask. I don't even care. Like I always prepare a fine in case someone was to catch me. I just give you $300 shut the hell up, get, get out of my face. And so what I'm trying to say is that because the nature of things change, people are no longer going out as much. People are relying on grab food. And this ties in remote work, right? Because a lot of these guys who remote work, they eat Western food. You know, they're Westerners from Caucasian-based countries. They move to Thailand, they move to Vietnam, they move to Bali. What do they eat? They open grab food or whatever delivery app, they'll still buy the same thing that they ate in America. They're not going to try a local delicacy. And even if they eat the local delicacy, what is the number one word they always use? What is the number one word they what? always use? They don't say it's delicious, they say it's cheap. Whenever I hear someone tell me the food is cheap, right, it just pisses me off. It's not because the food is cheap. The food is based on the environmental factors, the economy. It's based on what their market demands. And so whenever I see someone go to a country, wow, it's cheap. They will even say, wow, it's nice. It's wow, it's cheap. Based on the hyperinflated dollar that the country that they came from created. It creates a, a pile of mess everywhere they go. And brick and mortar is going to be crushed. I believe that a lot of small independent businesses are going to get slowly, slowly destroyed. Or the moment that their business takes off, such as the food business, they're selling like a brand new form of a meatless burger or cockroach burger or soy latte if it takes off they won't exactly become their own boss what would they become? they'll become part of the franchise they'll become part of the organization that's pushing the agenda of the smart city synthetic meat future carbon credits central bank digital currency <laughs> they're all pushing towards the same agenda so you're no longer an entrepreneur you're just a cog in the machine no matter what you try to paint yourself in and so ultimately, there's only one way to solve this. Brick and mortars probably will be gone. They will be making a resurgence maybe when somehow society ends and we have to rebuild from scratch, I guess. Okay, so we got uh, less than a minute left. So I think um, this is the end for today's episode. But before we bid goodbye, we have a favor to ask. So please support our channel right below and hit that like and subscribe button. Leave your comments and yeah. See you. Hey, see you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back with more regular episodes in the future. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay.